Hi, I'm Chris Wells. My definition of relentless is simple, never give up. You know, you're going to face obstacles and challenges, but you got to find a way to move around them, move through them, under them, over them. Follow your passion and your purpose, and you'll find the answers. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Relentless Podcast. I am Kyle Dubay. I'm very excited to have our guest today, uh, Dr. Christopher Wells. Chris comes to us with a laundry list of achievements, and we are excited to talk to him about being an advocate, an educator, and bringing awareness to all issues involving LGBTQ+. Chris, welcome to the podcast. Pleasure to be here. It's good to have you. I've I've known you. Well, I've uh, actually we found out I've known you since 1989 apparently because we went to high school together, which we just realized about two weeks ago when we talked. Um, but you and I were in, we did end up on a board together for a couple of years, the uh, Reach Board in, here in Edmonton. Um, so I've known you since then. But today uh, we're going to hopefully get to know you a lot better. We're going to talk to you about your journey. Um, and how you've had to be relentless many times in your lives, in your life, um, to bring change and to bring awareness to people. So, all that being said, do you want to tell us a little bit about your journey and your life before you got into advocating? Sure. You know what? I think it all goes back to um, those uh, high school hallways that we may have passed each other in in, in, in different grades, but back in uh, St. Albert and in Paul Kane in the, the you know the 1980s, and uh, you know that was uh, quite a different time for the LGBTQ plus uh, community uh, than it is now. And um, you know I. I like to say I, I knew who I was, but it wasn't safe to, to come out or to, to be out. Certainly the messages, uh, you know, I received from society and in St. Albert, which had the nickname at that time of Straight Albert, you know. Cause or it was, White Albert. It was very yeah. homogenous, yeah. what we'd say, you know, academically very heteronormative. Um, so, you know, it, it, there wasn't a possibility to be out and, and what, you know, society told us at that time is if you were going to be out and be gay in the 80s, you were going to get AIDS and be dead by the time you were 30. So, you know, as a kid, why would you come out to that, right? right. You didn't have hope for your future. You knew you were dealing with a life of discrimination and prejudice. Um, and uh, so you stayed in the closet, right? And you denied and 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 um, you hid who you are. And it, it wasn't really, you know, till I became a teacher, I went on you know, to graduate, took some, some time off from high school, the, the, the famous gap year to, you know, to, to, to find out what I wanted to do. And, uh, you know, when I was in education, becoming a teacher, I, I went back and taught in those same, you know, uh, classrooms in St. Albert, you know, the, I, the, the hallways in which I was a student. Now I was walking down as a teacher and, um, you know, I, I saw that uh, I still couldn't be out as a gay educator and I couldn't be the kind of role model that I needed when I was a kid. And it wasn't until um, I started working with um, lesbian, and gay, and bisexual youth in the community, not too far from from this studio in downtown Edmonton, that um, you know they said to me. I remember the first night I, I walked into the room on a Saturday night at seven o'clock, and there was about six or eight youth sitting around, and um, it was a friend of mine who said, you know, you should come check out this youth group. You, you know, you might you might find out that you know th this is of interest to you as an educator. And uh, when I walked in there, they said to me, um, who are you and what do you do? 
right? And uh, I said, my name's Chris and I'm a teacher. And the next thing they said was do something, do mm. something to make schools better for us, yeah. right? I was now their safe contact to the educational system. And, um, you know, talk about accountability for stakeholders. Every week I went back and those kids would say to me, what'd you do this week to make things better right. for us? And so, you know, long story short, that led me to university back, you know, to uh, graduate school, uh, because I really needed to uh, a language and a lens to figure out what was going on in schools, right? Like, I needed a theory to understand what was happening in practice. And um, that's really how I got involved, was simply amplifying their voices of young people to make change in the educational system and in society. And, you know, to this day, I often say to the youth that I, I still work with that one of your voices is worth 10 of mine, right? If it's organized and articulate, um, you have power, right? Yeah. You have power to, to make change. People will listen to you. And if you want to do that, and you feel comfortable doing that, we'll support you and, and help you get that platform. And, you know, even today as a university professor, and, you know, the, I never imagined that that would be my career. I, I barely graduated high school. And, you know, and, and when I look back at it, I'm saying, well, why did I really care about school? Because school didn't care about me. Right. And I didn't couldn't see myself in my textbooks or my community or everything I heard was negative. I didn't have ro role models for my community that I could reach out to. So, you know, um, it, it was when I found, you know, something I believed in and I saw the impact it was having not only on myself, but working alongside these young people. And, you know, I was really uh, just trying to amplify their voices to be able to make change, whether that was in the educational system, in government, out in the community. You know, a big goal of ours was just to keep those doors open every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. So those kids knew that no matter what was going on in their lives, they had one safe space where there were some adults who cared about them. So uh, growing up the way that you did, um, are you okay if I ask you when you did come out? Yeah, I came out, uh, wasn't so my, uh, my last semester of, uh, university. And, uh, so that would have been about uh, 1994 and, you know, important to know, like the times were, were different then there were no human rights protections in right. Alberta on the grounds of sexual orientation. You know, that wouldn't come until the, the famous Delwyn Green case where the, the, the LGBT community took the Alberta government to the Supreme Court of Canada. And in 1998, the Supreme Court ruled that sexual orientation had to be a protected ground against discrimination. Um, and many people are, might remember that, Ralph Klein and, and people are threatening to use the notwithstanding clause to exempt Alberta from being the last province or territory in the country to grant basic human rights protections on the grounds of sexual orientation. So that meant, you know, you couldn't be an out teacher because I'd be fired from my job the next day. Right. You know, I'd walk down in St. Albert with my, my partner at the time in, in Safeway uh, on Sunday, you know, night buying groceries like everybody else. And he'd put his hand on my hand on the shopping cart and I would freeze because I knew if a student saw that, you know, come Monday, I'd be fired. I wouldn't have a job as a teacher any longer. So, you know, it took a toll on me because I had to deny my relationship to keep my job. Sure. And you I, had to deny your life. And I couldn't be that role model that those kids needed in the educational system. Like, I felt like I was failing, you know, um, not only myself, but these young people because I couldn't be out, right? I knew I needed that when I was in, you know, elementary, junior high and high school. And here I was just reproducing the status quo and, and to keep my job. And so, you know, I ended up actually leaving teaching, uh, you know, for for about a year and, and it was sort of that inspiration of working with those young people that 
you know, led me back to graduate school at the University of Alberta. But even at that time, when I first applied, you know, did various programs, I thought maybe I'll be a, become a school principal, right? I can change one school and make mm-hmm. it one school, you know, or then I'll, maybe I can become a school counselor, right? And help kids directly. And I applied to those programs and, and they said no, right? Like they weren't ready for anybody who wanted to, to do LGBT work, work directly on supporting LGBT kids. You know, it was, um, it was just a, a time of a lot of silence and invisibility and, you know, and every weekend when I met with those kids, I saw what they were going through, right, with so, their families. So, uh, this this may sound like a dumb question. How angry were you? Um, you know, I, I don't know if uh, I was angry at the time, right? You're young, you're you're living your life, and I think you know later on there were times when I get angry, and you know what I've learned is um, there's there's a, a an author. Um, uh, a theorist that I studied when I was in graduate school called Paulo Ferreri from from uh, Brazil, great, you know, famous sort of educator, worked with, you know, people in slums and and helping them to, you know, um, uh, develop language to be able to understand what was going on in society and and to be able to advocate for change, right? And he he calls it just ire. Like using the anger not to debilitate you, but to use it as a productive kind right. of force to make change, right? right? Like, you know, that anger that fuels your your passion that like, you know, like we're talking about in this podcast makes you relentless, right? right. Like, but you can't you can't let the anger overtake you and you can't let it, you know, turn into be a, a rage. Yeah, it's productive. So anger right. as a as a productive force, that little bit of fire in your belly that motivates you, right? right? Like that, you know, makes you go the extra mile. Um and particularly when you see, you know, young people suffering at the hands of a system, um, right? That's and because not you, their fault. And, and really because you experienced that firsthand yourself, right? Yeah. You, you, were, you had that lived experience. And so you were able to, to empathize and sympathize with these young people. And I do love that the young people is a, such a focus for you in your life because they've taught you so much and, and they've kept you accountable in the beginning of all this. Um, you left education. You went to become more educated, uh, what was the next part of your journey as far as advocating goes and as far as, as setting things up? I know that you were instrumental, and if I'm not mistaken, the the one of the founders of the Firefly Camp. Yeah, you know, and, and that was, again, listening to kids. So those kids on a Saturday night came for two hours, and they wanted more, right? They wanted more spaces where they could be themselves, where they could be safe, and they could be supportive. But what I also learned through, uh, you know, creating uh, Camp Firefly was... Um, I was trying to account for everything they weren't getting in their school system. So the, the first camp was actually held on the Labor Day long weekend. And it was designed to be a booster shot to, you know, go back into those hostile hallways come, you know, the first Tuesday in September after Labor Day long weekend so that they could survive, uh, you know, those hostile hallways and, and the bullying and the discrimination they were facing. Um, it was to equip them with tools, yeah. right? Tools and knowledge and most importantly, and, and the message that I said to those kids at that camp, and you know the, that started in 2004 and is still running to this day, almost 20 years later. Um, you know, now we've had hundreds, if not thousands, of kids go through the program. Is one simple message: is you're normal and beautiful just the way you are. You don't need to change. It's society that needs to change. Right. Because for too long, they were told that you know they were sick, they were evil, they were diseased, they were immoral. Or that, you know, if they only tried harder, they could change. 
um, and uh, they could fit in. And, you know, it, it, it was sort of the, the wrong messages. Like, there's nothing wrong with you. You're not broken. You don't need to be fixed. The Relentless Podcast is brought to you by You Can Use Services, which I am very proud to be a part of. You Can Use Services is an organization that helps young people move out of harm's way and onto a path of economic independence. If you want to learn more about the incredible work that we do with some very vulnerable young people, please go to www.youcan.ca. That's www.youcan.ca. So this is, this is about you, but I, I, you and I did talk about this and I, and I do want to talk a little bit about my shift in all this. And, and that's going to sound a little suspect maybe, but I grew up in straight Albert, uh, same era as you were, were very close in age, a couple of years apart. Um, is unconscious bias a fair word for me to use in this situation because I don't want to be ignorant to it but is it like would you take that like uh, you know growing up and again I don't want to be the guy who says well it was the times man it's the way it was but we did come up and grow up in a time when you're going to get AIDS you're, like that's that was everything about g- gay people whenever I was growing up I also grew up in a Christian home where I was taught that homosexuality was wrong. Um, all that being said, I know for a fact, I, I would probably have to definitely do some correcting with, with a couple of people in my life that I was would have bullied, would have been mean to, would have said um, awful things to, along with a lot of my peers back in the day. But throughout my journey in my life, truthfully, Chris, I, I've changed. I think I've been more educated, um, become more knowledgeable. I've had different experiences and different relationships now where, um, for example, the whole idea of if you're born gay or not, which was a huge thing. I'm going to probably forever, but for me, it was that late nineties into the two thousands and a very good friend of mine who's gay, um, him and I became very close very quickly. He's just this incredible friend named Chris. And I remember him saying to me, as we were talking about this in the early 2000s, probably 2004, where I believe I had changed. I'm more open-minded. And he said, the, the question I ask is, he goes, I, I've been, I've been beat up. I've been all these horrible things. He goes, like, do you think I would choose that? He goes, I was born this way. Would I choose to go through all that? And that clicked for me. And everything shifted. Everything was already shifting, but everything completely shifted. So I I guess the reason I'm telling you all that is, um, and I do want to talk more about your advocacy and why it matters. But if we can get into a little bit of a conversation that we talked about a couple of weeks ago where I'm open to anything. Like I am, I'm open for people um, identifying how they want to identify all, all the different things that have happened, but things are happening very quickly. I'm trying to to keep up without being ignorant or stupid in the way that I talk or insensitive to people, but I really do need people to be patient with me. And sometimes I find 
that within the LBGTQ plus community, they are lacking some patience. They want now, figure it out now. You need to know what my pronouns are. And if you don't say them properly, you're an asshole. And it's like, oh, no, just give me time. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, I, I think first that, uh, you know, prejudice is a learned behavior, right? And so um, uh, the good news is there, we can unlearn it, yeah. right? And we, one of the best ways to combat prejudice and discrimination is simply by, you know, humanizing, getting to know that person as being more than a stereotype, right? Or more than what you've been told or you've been been taught, depending on the, the communities uh, that, you know, you happen to be raised in or, or that you're traveling in. Um, so, you know, that, that experience, uh, you know, with diversity is so critical, right? It's getting outside of your comfort zone and that's really how, how we grow. Right. And so I feel that's how I grew. Yeah. yeah. Right. And, and you had that personal experience with somebody else yeah. who you, you were able to empathize with their experience and, and they were, you know, help you to sort of, uh, to, to see things differently. I often say that, you know, I give people the benefit of the doubt if you don't know better, right, then, you know, it's hard to do better. But when you do know better and you don't do better, then, you know, there's going to be some consequences, right. right? So how do we help people, you know, grow and, and move from what they don't know or move beyond what they've been taught? Um, you know, I, I understand there's lots of people who are, you know, not only in the, the LGBTQ plus community or other minority communities who can be, you know, angry and, and uh, you know, they have a right to be because of the, the lifetime of discrimination and prejudice they've been, you know, uh, experiencing. And so, you know, it, it's hard to channel that. And, and they, you know, it's often been said, like, you know, communities shouldn't be and particularly minority or vulnerable communities shouldn't be responsible for educating the majority, right? You need to take that on yourself, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like as an ally, go out and learn, you know, it can be as simple as going and seeing a movie, right? That uh, you would normally see that opens you up to a different experience or reading a book or talking to people or, you know, now there's so much information to find online. It's, it's like, it's hard to say what's good information, what's bad information yeah. online. But, you know, we live our lives through story. And so, you know, connecting with somebody else's story, um, you know, putting yourself as simply as we've said in somebody else's shoes, you know, um, to, to empathize and humanize is the, you know, that's really the answer. I'm, I'm an educator, so I always believe education, right, is the answer. And, um, you know, not just formal education in, in schools, but, you know, around dinner tables, you know, mm -hmm. what kind of conversations are we having, you know, with, with our kids and, I think one of the best things you can do is is travel, right? Go and have a, I used to say, go and have an international experience, right? In a different culture. Um, uh, but somebody, you know, challenged me on that and said, you know, like, uh, just step outside of Edmonton and go to uh, a First Nations community. Sure. Right? Like, you know, put you, you can learn a lot. You don't even need to leave. You don't have to go that far. No, exactly. And, you know, that's that's so important for us to remember that, um, you know, we're, we're living with, with people in our own country who are uh, experiencing, you know, uh, great forms of poverty and discrimination, you know, and there are first peoples, right, here right. before all the rest of us. And, and that is, makes me concerned for the two-spirit young people in our Indigenous communities, too, who, right, are um, facing racism from the, the larger community. And then in their own um, sometimes Indigenous communities, they're facing homophobia, biphobia, right. and transphobia because they're two-spirited. And so where do they go for support? Yeah. It's like they're caught between worlds. Unfortunately, you know, it seems like the more different we are or perceived to be, the more dangerous the world is for us. 
right? So it's that fear of difference and diversity. And where does that come from? I think that's a, that's a huge point of all this is, and, and truthfully, it's that fear piece, right? Um, I'll say whenever I was young, it was fear. I didn't know. I, and I was, and I'm not going to say I was fearful of AIDS. That's not what I'm saying. But I was fearful because the person was different. But I was like that with everybody, right? And that's, I think most people are that way. Um, but that education piece is so key. That lived experience piece is so key. You advocate, not only do you teach, but you advocate. You have done this locally. You've done this provincially, nationally, and I think even internationally. Um, what does advocating look like for you? And how, actually, yeah, what does it look like for you? And then I'll ask the next question after that. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's uh, advocating is is you know finding your 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 purpose, right? And 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 trying to uh, you know make change that's larger than you. We're, we're talking about you know when people really ask what what I do, I don't I don't say I'm a university professor, right? I might say I'm a I'm a teacher, but really what I say is right. I'm in the business of social change, mm -hmm. right? And social change doesn't happen with just one individual. Um, you know, it's about communities coming together and, you know, uh, advocating. And so, you know, that means holding, you know, people accountable. It means education, but ultimately it means uh, working towards positive change that's going to uplift people, right, in, in our world. And, and, and that means not just within the LGBTQ community, but, you know, other communities as well who are, are suffering, right? Like, here I am, a, a cisgender, you know, white gay male. I have a lot of privilege, right? I have male privilege. I walk through the world, you know, um, uh, differently. You know, when I walk to my car at night, I don't uh, think about, am I going to get there safely? And when right. I get to my car, I don't stop and look in the back seat to see, right, before I get in because my p male privilege has protected me. Sure. But, you know, if you're female identified, you know, that's not the same sort of uh, experience. And then, uh, you know, I'm uh, white. And so that provides me with different opportunities in the world as well. And and so I can't do anything to get rid of these these privileges, right? They're unearned, but I can, I can use them to sometimes ask who's not here at the table, right? Um, what voices are we not hearing from? Like my privilege gives me a lot of access, but other parts of my identity as being a gay male subject me, right? Still make me not able to walk down the street and hold my partner's hand because, you know, I don't want to have to deal with the stares or in some cases the violence that that's going to prompt, right? And that's, you know, here in Edmonton. Right. So, you know, um, we still have a lot of work to do. Yeah, no, a lot of work. Has your advocacy changed from the beginning to now? Like, what have you learned? Sure. You know, I'm... Uh, uh, I'm I'm probably not as uh, you know. Let's get out on the streets, right? That's sort of a young person's game, like you know, let's protest and and stuff like that. But I I think that's really important. I think you need both kinds of advocacy. You need the the people out on the streets, you know, with the signs and uh, you know, holding people accountable. But you also I think need people inside the systems to you know help to navigate the politics, to to bring the research to bear, to provide the you know potential a solution. Right. So, you know, it's pressure and support. Right. I'm really, really, re really um, going to help people and support them if they want to move forward. Right. In a good way. And they want to do the work. But they also need to know that if you're not going to do the work, there are going to be consequences for, right. for that. Right. Like so, um, you know, pressure and support and in, in, in Alberta. 
it's uh, been the case where um, you know the governments have not been that supportive to the 2S LGBT community. Now that's really you know started to change over the past few years, but um, uh, you know, 40 years ago, you know, being gay or lesbian meant you were a criminal, right? And right. you could be arrested in this country. So, and now you know we have human rights protections. We have same-sex marriage that's been been legalized you know we have things like gay straight alliances in schools so sure you know lots of changes happened but you know we're not done and the reality is because we still see that you know hate crimes are still you know an issue in our community um we're still seeing rainbow crosswalks defaced we're seeing people attacking you know, we just saw, you know, the shooting in Colorado Springs of a LGBT bar and nightclub, mm-hmm. right? Where um, that kind of prejudice and that hatred is still, you know, very real. And, you know, until we achieve full equality, um, you know, we can't lose sight of the importance of that advocacy and that work, right? Our, our work is is not over. Maybe, you know, we're seeing more legal and legislative change in equality, but the social change equality has not caught up yet it's about being relentless because i think that you just said it well you know compared to 40 years ago it's actually come quite a long ways but there's so much more to do and you are a guy that's been relentless on your quest to bring change and awareness and education to people but like you said it's not over yet you know how can a guy like me who I honestly believe, like I'm, I'm, I'm trying. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get educated. What can I do to be better? Yeah, I think it's 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 listening. It's asking questions. It's um, you know coming to things with the uh, you know the mindset that I'm willing to to learn. I'm willing to grow. I'm willing to move beyond my you know comfort zone. Not that you know like where you expect everybody else to be like you right like where you see actually you know diversity is this great gift that we have on this this planet yeah i often say that you know when you look outside your window right you see one of the most uh diverse and resilient systems in the world it's nature when something in nature reaches a system in nature reaches the sameness it dies and collapses because it can no longer adapt right like mm-hmm. diversity is built into the survival of our planet and we ignore it at our own peril so you know like what what is, what is the threat from somebody who is different than you are right and a lot of it comes down to you know your own feelings of insecurity or your 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 own privilege you're worried that you know if i let that person in that means i have to give something up Right. right. Instead of welcoming that person to the table, right. Extending that hospitality, you know, how can I support you? Are, you know, are you, are you hungry? Right. Where are you thirsty? Are you right. Just being that sort of like we, we learn in all of our religions about being that good Samaritan, right. Mm. Accepting people for, for who they are, their sexuality, their gender, you know, doesn't matter. And, you know, we, we look at it as a gift, right. That this person has come into my life with a gift of a teaching and am I being prepared to, to see what that gift is. You're a good teacher, Chris (laughs) Wells. Um, I, I really do appreciate you coming on and talking and educating me and, and educating others. 
Um, where can we find you on on the the socials? Yeah, you know, just uh, uh, I it's on Twitter for now, right? Yeah. Who knows? You know what kind of dumpster fire that's going to be <laughs> yeah. down the road? But uh, you know, I'm I'm based right now at uh, at McEwen University, and and happy to be part of uh, you know Edmonton's downtown community. Um, and we have a new center for uh, sexual and gender diversity. So we've got some awesome staff, right? Like, you know, we're continuing to take the research um, and help to make change in the community, right? And whether that's, you know, on our campus, you know, it's really interesting. You want to talk about change, like go to a university campus and, you know, now about 25% of the campus students identify somewhere on the sexual and gender uh, diverse spectrum. Right. Right. And these are these kids now who are in university, they're the ones who had gay straight alliances in their high schools yeah. for over a decade. And so now when they come to post-secondary, they're expecting those supports to be there, right? They want to get involved. They want safe spaces. They want to make change. And they're looking for the education and the tools to, you know, equip them. So it's a really exciting, dynamic time to be on campus and, and working with our young people because, right, I tell them, right, you're going to be the leaders, right? And so, you know, we want to give you the tools to be the right kind of leaders when when you get out there in the world and ask the right kind of questions. And again, it goes back to that education piece. As these younger folks were coming up, it was part of their education or becoming part of their education system anyway, right? And their friends and their families, right? right? Like they knew. They're talking about it around the kitchen table. Their mom and dad are becoming accepting of this. This is This is becoming, if you will, normal. Where when we were growing up, it wasn't. It was silent and invisible, right? right? So a big part of the work and the advocacy is simply like being visible. And we right. say to people, like when it's safe for you, right? Um, and the choice should always be yours, but, you know, come out, yeah. right? Because, you know, when you come out, you know, people have to then deal with that stereotype, right? Or, or you know, what they thought they knew about you or about a community and nothing, you know, is more impactful than that, that personal experience, right? Like yeah. when somebody comes out in your family, yeah. right? It forces you to say, and, and when I, I still, you know, do uh, radio talk shows and, and call-ins and, and things like that. And, you know, I once had a parent, you know, call in and said, I'd rather have my kid have cancer than be gay. You know, can you believe that? And what message that that kid is is receiving, right? right. Like, you know, and, and we have to think about, you know, that how can we help that parent, right? How can we help that parent move from what they don't know or what they're afraid of to a place where I often say at least their parent will tolerate their child. Right. Like, you know, my message to parents is simple. You either love your child for who they are or you will lose them, yeah. right? And they will they will run away. Or they will have an estranged relationship with you, um, you know, for the rest of their life. Or in, in some cases, right, they'll take their own life. And, you know, that quality of that relationship, you know, you have with your child is is often, you know, largely up to you as the parent, right? Sure. Like, you know, keeping the conversation open. And it's so important, though, that when the kids come out, it's often said the parents go in the closet, right? Like, yep. um, And so how do we help those parents move from rejecting behaviors to accepting but ultimately where we get them to celebrate right. celebrate your child for the gift that they are yeah right for and, who they are yeah and it's in you know it can be that easy yeah but it's all of the other stuff that gets in the way right Re religion culture or you know yeah. what what we've been taught but you know it's as simple as accepting your child and 
and and help them teach you. Like if you don't know the LGBTQ plus or what those letters mean, right? Um, people will ask. You know, if you're asking, uh, you know, um, an open and honest question, uh, you know, most people will take the time to to share what that means to them, yeah. right? It, it might not be what it means to you, but for a young person, right? It's really important that you know, even they're they're identifying in ways that I don't even understand now, and I said. I often just say, what does that mean to you? So you're saying you can't keep up? You're I like can't me? keep up. Okay, no. good. We're all the same, we're on the same page. <laughs> Which is good because it shows that we're constantly learning and society's changing. And changing and growing and moving. Which is which is good. We're alive, right? Right. Which right? is good. We um if you're okay, we're gonna wrap up. We 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 like to wrap up with and if you think about this, I'm putting you on the spot with a quote. Uh, we found a quote that I thought was pretty good for, for our conversation today and really good about, uh, sorry, good in regards to you because of your lived experience and when you were a young man and how you had to stay closeted and, and you had to live this, but then your whole experience, it says, get to, sorry, I'll start again, get to that zone where you can shut out all the noise, all the negativity and fear and distractions and lies and achieve whatever you want in whatever you do. That to me is a good quote for you. Um, I appreciate you. I appreciate your honesty. I appreciate your advocacy. I appreciate your patience for people like me who really, I believe I'm an ally, but how do I be a better ally? Um, If somebody right now is listening to this and they're struggling, um, with potentially coming out, potentially not coming out, um, or maybe it's a parent that doesn't know what to do. Who should they call? Who should they contact? Yeah, you know, I, I think first of all, right, there's no one can tell you when to come out, right? That's such a personal um, a, per, a personal journey. And in number one, you got to make sure that it, it's you're in a safe environment. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think there's 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 any pressure, right? Like, um, I always say to kids, you'll know when when the, when the time is right, right? And we'll be here to support you when you're when you're ready. And so, you know, I would say we've got great groups in the city of Edmonton. We've got, uh, you know, the Pride Center of Edmonton provides great resources. Um, you know, we've got. Um, uh, if you're 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 struggling with issues of uh, you know gender and um, gender identity, we've got a great organization based in Calgary called Skipping Stone, and and they do all kinds of virtual programs all across the province. So you know it's really interesting. Now we've got organizations that are even specializing, right? Like um, you know. Um, I would say the biggest thing you can do is, is reach, always reach out, know you're not alone, right? That you don't have to go through these issues alone because I think it's, again, that silence and that invisibility that um, make us feel like we're the only person in the world that's ever gone through these kinds of uh, issues. And I think, you know, for parents, some of the best things you can do is, is learn from other parents, right? You know, if you're in St. Albert, you've got groups like Out Loud that are doing tremendous work or, or Altview in, uh, you know, Shred Park and surrounding areas. Their organizations are out there. You just yeah. got to go and, and look and reach out. And sometimes that can be the hardest part is is just saying, you know, I need support. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, if I didn't say that and I didn't find the right people in the right communities, 
my life would be very, very, you know, different than it is today. And, and part of that was just, um, you know, you never know where life is going to take you, right? It's this beautiful ride with all of its ups and its downs and surround yourself with good people. And I think good things can happen, right? And, and think about, you know, like, how, are we, how can we give back? Right? Yeah. Well, my quote is always, we get the communities we're willing to build, right? right. And so that means we got to step up and you know we've got to say that this needs to change or you know like if we want to improve things and don't look behind you or to somebody else just say you know it starts with me chris wells you're a you're a change maker and you're a good man i appreciate you thank you for being here thank you for sharing and uh yeah listen folks um take this information use it um also if you want more information on you can use services Check us out at our socials. Uh, they are at UCAN Edmonton. And then our website is www.ucan.ca. Thanks for listening to the Relentless Podcast, and we look forward to the next episode. Thanks, Chris. Pleasure. <laughs>